Welcome to the Small Church Podcast, the podcast for church leaders who want to make a difference in their communities. We're your hosts, Tony Marr and Bruce Montgomery, and we're excited to be with you today. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest trends, strategies, and ideas for effective leadership in small-sized churches. So whether you're a pastor, a ministry leader, or a volunteer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with experienced church leaders who have valuable insights to share. We'll also explore topics like team building, community outreach, spiritual growth, and much more. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration to help you lead your church with excellence, you've come to the right place. The Small Church Podcast is brought to you by Higher Ministries. Higher Ministries is an organization that exists to help Christian leaders in the churches they serve through coaching and consulting, all for little or no cost. For more information on Higher Ministries or to find out more about the Small Church Podcast, please visit HigherMinistries.com. Thanks for tuning into this week's edition of the Small Church Podcast. Bruce Montgomery, welcome back. It is so great to see you again today. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Tony, and, and, and you're looking good, and, and we've got everything up and ready to go. I think we've got to have a great program today. I think so, too. It almost didn't happen today. We had a little bit of an issue this morning. We were supposed to meet at the studio here, and I couldn't find the key. And so I spent about 30 minutes rummaging through dirty clothes and my car console and my desk looking anywhere for the key to let us into the studio today. And I was about to call an audible and have you just come and we'd set up at my house. And then I decided I'm going to look in the couch cushions. And wouldn't you know it, pulled the first cushion off my seat, you know, because I, of course, have my seat at the couch where Mm -hmm. I always sit. And if any of the the kids are in my seat, they're quickly going to learn about uh, parental power. And and so I lifted up that cushion and laying right there as if it were calling to me was the key. And I met you down here a little bit late, but now we are here. We're set up and excited to go with this edition of the Small Church Podcast. I am too, and I'm also pleased that your dog didn't eat the key, so we didn't have to. The dogs are not allowed on the couch, so if they had ate the key, that would have been an even bigger issue. <laughs> uh, it's it's enjoyable to be with you today, and uh, just to, to talk to you and talk to Craig today. We're going to talk to to Craig Watson today. And Craig's been in the ministry, in small church ministry, since 1985. And part of it was bivocational, part of it it was his sole ministry. Uh, I've known Craig since way back when, when, was you a freshman, Craig, when I met you in college? Uh, Yeah, actually, you met me before that because I came to visit my brother when he was uh, in college while I was still in high school. You didn't okay. even remember that, did you, Bruce? No, I didn't. I, I, I did not remember that, but I did remember Craig. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember Craig at, at his wedding. He was the only wedding I performed where, where the, the bridegroom sang to the bride as she came down the aisle. Hold, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So, Craig, you were, you were standing up at the altar with Bruce, and as your bride is coming down, you sang to her as she came down the aisle. Well, actually, uh, the song I sang to her was a song I wrote for her. Uh, the the side story of that is uh, when I first caught sight of her coming down the aisle, I totally blanked. And so um, 
thankfully she was the only one who knew the words because I changed them as she was coming down the aisle. <laughs> so can you can you sing a little bit of that for us now? Do you remember that song? Oh, I'd rather not. I'd rather not. Thank you. <laughs> so Craig, you have you've known Bruce for uh, for many many years. You started in ministry in 1985, but you didn't originally start your vocational life post-college in ministry. You you spent quite a bit of time in the secular world and, and in the school system, correct? That's right. I, I started out as a, a music teacher and uh, didn't... Uh, that was in 82, and it was three years later that I responded to the call to ministry. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what led you from being a music teacher to that call to, to step away from that and go into vocational ministry? Well, the first uh, job I had at teaching, um, everything seemed ideal. I had a great school, students, uh, wonderful principal. Uh, the parents were great. Everything that a, a teacher could want. And yet I simply wasn't real happy with uh, the situation. And um, I was offered a job, actually a sales job with a fundraising company, and uh, was accepting that, resigned my position at the school after two years. And uh, after I'd resigned, the new job was pulled out from under me. Uh, they said, well, we've decided not to open up a new field. We're just going to split it. So I was without a, a teaching position. And I went to my hometown where I had told my wife I would never teach in my hometown. Um, but I, I was in my hometown and uh, was hired uh, as a one-year um, replacement for a teacher that was on sabbatical. Um, and again, even though I said I wouldn't teach there, it was wonderful. Everything was as it should have been, and I still wasn't happy. Uh, and I couldn't understand it. And I was getting so frustrated that one night I, I went for a long walk and just was crying out to God and saying, what is wrong? Why can't I be happy? And <laughs> it's probably the closest I've ever heard of an audible voice from God saying, it's because you're not doing what I've called you to do. Hmm. And uh, he made pretty clear to me that um, I was to be in the ministry. And I finally said, uh, yeah whatever you want. I, I just, I can't do this anymore and not be happy. So I, uh, I continued to teach full time and went uh, to Ashland Theological Seminary and became a student there. And uh, then shortly after that, the church I was attending was a very small church. Our pastor went on the mission field and the church came to me and said, uh, Craig, you are preparing for ministry, would you be our pastor? And so for a period of time, I was teaching full-time, pastoring the small church, and attending seminary. And that's how it all started. Wow. That's a, it's a busy life to do all those things. Yeah. And, and But I can understand that that emptiness of, of not doing what you're supposed to be doing, not, finding, not following the call. And I'm glad, I'm glad you answered it. It's Great. interesting because uh, that that sense of unhappiness, that unsettledness, um, it hit when we were in the ministry. And uh, uh, as strange as it may seem, um, we were in that 
first church, oh gosh, let me think, uh, from 1985 to 1991. And um, I sensed God was saying, it's time for you to move on. And I resisted because basically we loved the people. We didn't want to leave. And uh, for about a year, I wrestled with that and wrestled with God. And um, I just have to say, we learned our lesson that when God makes it pretty clear, you better follow what he says or else you will be miserable. <laughs> um, sorry, Tony, I, I cut you off. No, not at all. Not at all. I was going to say, how did you deal with the the emotional change of going from working in a school in a nine to five or nine to eight to three job, whatever it is, then all of your prep and everything that happens with that to then doing a ministry position where now you're on call 24-7. Ministry doesn't end. With, with school, you get to clock out at the end of the day. You get to go home. Hopefully, you're not getting a lot of calls from students or parents. I'm sure you get some, but it's it's not like it is in ministry. And that adjustment from right. the secular world to the, the ministry world. Well, it was, uh, it was very, uh, very taxing um, to try to, to balance the two. Um, was not something that came naturally um, because I just, my tendency is to overdo, to pour into it. And uh, because of that, it was, uh, it was very wearing on me. Um, about a year and a half of doing both, um, I became pretty ill with uh, mononucleosis. And uh, so I was down for a period of time uh, because of trying to do too much. And it was during that time when I was down that I really had to figure out, okay, how am I going to balance everything? Because I can't go 24-7. And um, so it, it really forced me to, to be more uh, regulated in my scheduling. Now, you're right, in ministry, you're on 24-7. So that means that there's going to be times when uh, your schedule goes out the window and you just have to respond. Um, but it's also a case of trying to set some boundaries uh, and letting the congregation know, you know, this, this is when I can be available unless it is emergency. So you have to, to learn to work with the people within the congregation too. Yeah. We've talked with several guests on our show in the past that have come from the secular field into vocational ministry later in life, uh, and, and many of them have left very, very high-profile jobs, very well-paying positions uh, to now be a, a, a pastor in, in a small church that's not making a lot of money, uh, but sure has a lot of eternal benefits. How have you seen the difference in going from your your job as a teacher to your calling as a pastor uh, in in making that transition and the some of the benefits that you have seen for you personally? Wow. Uh, well, the benefits um, are relational more than anything. I think. Um, 
the, the, the relationships that you build uh, as a pastor with uh, people in your church um, to be able to, to know people in uh, deeper ways than you ever would on a regular nine to five job. And to, to be able to, to be a part of life change, um, is huge. Um, you know, economically granted it's, it's a, it's a step down, um, during the time, uh, oh gosh, uh, 2005, um, I had, um, I was still bivocational. I was, uh, at that time I was a, a school principal and on staff, uh, at a, uh, a church part-time and uh, just sensing again, God saying, you need to, you know, you need to be in the ministry full-time. I uh, resigned my principal's position and uh, went on staff at a church and doing that, it was a huge economic uh, change. I probably took a, a salary cut in half by doing so, but the change for me was being able to uh, really fulfill a sense of purpose, um, a sense of uh, being able to relate to people um, on a day-to-day basis uh, that was much more personal and uh, spiritually rewarding than any other secular job I could have could have hoped for. What keeps you going, Craig? I mean, you talked about happiness. You talked about satisfaction of things. What, what really, uh, really keeps you going in the ministry? I know every, I think every minister who's who's been in the ministry for any period of time has wondered if maybe this is a time to be called out of the ministry. Uh, and you, yeah. stayed, and you had lots of opportunities there. It sounds like. Yeah, and yeah. You, but you yeah. you stayed with it and you hung in there with it. And I and I know what being in a small church means, and uh, I used to think I had to think sometimes: do do I go calling, or do I spend, or do I spend the, my, the money on gas, you know, something else, you know, because yeah. the salaries aren't always great, and you're but right. you're working you're working for the Lord, you're working for the joy of, of serving Him, and I and I know that's what you're doing, and um, how's the family uh, work with that? Does do you all are you all twenty four seven on on call, or do are they do they understand that? Uh, actually, a couple questions there. Um, first, you know, kind of the what keeps me going. Um, <laughs> I think the primary thing, and I keep coming back to it, is uh, just the the relational aspect of it. Um, I guess I'm, I'm motivated by um, being able to to connect with people and to, um, in doing so, just hopefully uh, helping people uh, grow in their their walk, um, and that that's that's probably the most satisfying or is the most satisfying thing as a minister is when you can see people changing and becoming more like Christ. Um, as far as being on call 24 seven and family, that's, that's something um, that I think every family struggles with that's in ministry um, because there are times when uh, um, it seems like the, the church is more important than the family. At least it can seem that way to the family. 
And um, there has to be an understanding developed where they, they, the family can, can accept that you have a responsibility first to them uh, and then to the church. But beyond all that, your responsibility is to God and to, to follow what he is asking you to do. And so there's times when, uh, yes, you have to, uh, in an emergency situation, take care of something at the church. It's determining what is an emergency and what's not. I'm pretty in, intrigued by the fact that you have been in ministry so long. Uh, it, it's so uncommon nowadays, especially within small church ministry, that statistics will tell us that 80% of people that are in ministry are completely out of ministry within five years. And the numbers mm. of those that come in later in life from being involved in a different vocation before stepping into vocational ministry, the percentage of that plummets, that that most men or women who step into a full-time ministry role after experiencing life outside of ministry don't make it very long. You've been at this since 1985. What do you attribute your longevity to? Hmm. My wife would tell you, uh, that's easy. It's stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I think it's, it is truly an average, uh, you know, a, a sense of, um, just true peace. Um, like I, I said, when I, I first entered the ministry, I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't at peace. And um, the only time that I, I have experienced the deepest peace of my life is when I've been engaged in ministry. Um, I think that comes back to, and maybe this is one of the issues with a lot of people that enter the ministry. Um, I do believe that there is such a thing as a calling from God. Amen. And um, if there is a calling for uh, pastoral ministry, uh, God, he, he will uh, fulfill the person that is giving themselves to that. And I, I have sensed that satisfaction uh, from him um, that, you know, it's, I can't think of the, the, uh, the text, but uh in the scripture, it says um, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And um, I, when I read that, I, I sense that there is that sense that when God puts calling on your life, um, he, he doesn't take it away. Um, he will continue to, to call you to that. So sometimes it may be that a person doesn't have a calling. Other times it could be that they are trying to change the calling that God has placed on their life. And uh, for me, the longevity has been the sense that it's not the size of the congregation that matters. It is the, uh, the spiritual growth of the people that matters most. Um, the size will take care of itself. Uh, and that doesn't mean that it's going to develop into a mega church. It simply means that, that God wants the people that you are leading to be able to grow in their relationship with him. And, and that's part of the calling that I have and why I've, I think it's lasted so long. 
Yeah, I love what you just said. I think one of the main reasons that small church leaders tend to not have the longevity that you've experienced is because of a deep lack of uh, encouragement in their ministry and that they they see things being stagnant for so long and it can be so discouraging instead of encouraging because society tells us, and even the the Christian culture, church culture, tells us that our success is measured by the number of people that are coming through our doors. And so if you're seeing years of either plateaued or declining attendance on your weekend services, then you're relating that with failure. But that's not always the case. There are a lot more, there, there are a lot of ways other than attendance. In fact, I would say that that attendance is pretty far down the list for barometers and and judge judging how successful we're being as a branch of the kingdom of God in, in the local community. And Tony, you, you hit on something too um, when you talk about the barometer. Um, those that are in denominations, uh, for instance, you know, I I pastor a free Methodist church. Um, a lot of times the barometer used by a denomination is the size and is your church growing and how many people have uh, uh, walked through the doors. And uh, that can become an additional pressure upon the the minister uh, to where um, if they don't see the numbers happen, first of all, they become become, uh, distracted. They become uh, worn out. And a lot of times they can be removed simply because they are not producing the numbers. And uh, that, that's a sad uh, uh, fact in uh, a lot of churches today that pastors are being uh, dismissed because uh, they have not increased by a certain percentage. When oftentimes and, uh, there, are, there are factors there that are beyond their control. Exactly, exactly. Um, small churches um, have a lot of different factors that um, are amplified. Uh, there are some churches where the, the certain families can become dominant, and they have a sense of ruling within the church to that prohibits the church from growing. Um you know, and it gets in the way of even the minister being able to sometimes accomplish what they want to accomplish. Um, other times, it's location um, and so many different factors that that hinder growth. And you can't just say it's because of the pastor. Uh, there's a lot of other things that, are, that go into it. So I, I love what you said earlier, that your measure— of success is the the spiritual growth of the people in your church. How do you how do you quantify that? How do you measure that from a leadership perspective of yourself to see here's how I can see that the people that I am ministering to are continuing to grow in their pursuit of Jesus, continuing to grow as disciples of Christ. It's it's more qualitative than quantitative. Um, Sometimes you can't put a number on it, but you can see it. Um, there are people that you see from the point where they they enter into a relationship with Christ, and you watch how they they blossom, um, how they 
uh, grow in their ability to uh, exercise the gifts that God's given them. Um, I think of, of people who um, may at one point have uh, just had a, a reserved sense about them when it came to serving others or sharing their faith with others and how they grow in that um, as they grow in the faith. Um, I, one gentleman I know that uh, he had uh, very little, if any, church background when he first uh, started attending, and uh, yet now he is a stalwart uh, that he is uh, not only available to, to help anybody who needs help, but he is, is reaching out to people and he's sharing his faith and he's, he's uh, leading other people to Christ. And it's, it's just seeing the growth like that, that um, I think shows the growth in people. Um, now, if you want to start counting, okay, how many people has he led to Christ or so forth, then you can get into quantitative. But uh, for the most part, I would say it's more qualitative of just seeing how people grow in their, their walk Craig, what would you say to uh, one, one of the big things that, that I talk about in the churches that we work with and consult with is that the, the measures that we typically use, the, the ABCs, attendance, buildings, and cash, yeah. uh, I, I think that we need to get rid of those. Uh, we've talked a little bit about that. Instead, would I say that that talks a little bit to what you've talked about, but does become a little bit um, more identifiable is that I think that the church should have such an impact on the community around them that there is a tangible mm. difference. And so you should be able to look and see uh, when Craig started at this church or when this church opened its doors, um, here's in our community, in our immediate community, and I think one of the first things the church has to do is identify what is your immediate community, your circle of influence, typically, you know, maybe five-mile radius of the church, 10-mile radius of the church, yeah. whatever that is, whatever you define that as. But in our community, for this specified period of time, Here's what the crime rate was in our community. Here's what the homeless rate was in our community. Here's what the addiction rate was in our community. And if we cannot look and see a tangible change in our community as a result of people living a life of purpose and mission for Christ, then, then what are we doing? Um, and so, so mm -hmm. I do think that there are some things that we should be able to look at and say, it's not just the number of people that are coming into the doors of this church that measure our success, but what are we doing outside of the doors of our church? How are we equipping people and challenging people to go into the world uh, with the, the mission and the charge of Christ and are actually making a tangible difference in the world around us? I, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, the thing is, Tony, I think sometimes you can look at that uh, globally in the sense of, you know, what is the whole church doing? But we sometimes forget uh, the individual impacts as well. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, you can have a, a clothing uh, bank that is, is ministering to the community and you're, you're helping uh, provide clothing and so forth. You can have a, a, um, a recovery program that, that is uh, open to the community and you're seeing lives uh, touched and changed through that. You can have these kind of ministries 
uh, taking place, that the church is making an impact, uh, partnerships with schools and, and so forth. Um, but then there's also the individuals within your church. Where are they plugging in? Where are they involved? Yeah. You know, this this lady's involved in the the uh, uh, pregnancy center, and and this person uh, uh, goes into the jails and 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 uh, shares in in jail ministry and so forth. That's not something maybe that your whole church does, right. but the people within your church do. Exactly. Yep. Spot on there. Well, we're not all called to the same things, and and when we do exactly. those relationships, are are a major thing for me too. The church is is filled with with interpersonal relationships, and uh, if we're growing in that, the body's growing in that kind of fellowship and that kind of way. Uh, it'll be um, magnetic. People will want to come. They'll want to come and be a part of it and see uh, what makes these people different. Why are are they like they are? And uh, what ma- what makes them tick? And when they come there, they, if they find love and they find relationships and they find a place to plug in, they'll do that and hang in with you for a long, long, long time. So, uh, but I'm just I'm just so proud that in the ministry you've had has been has been so long lasting that um, I, I'm I'm very proud of you and staying with it. Uh, I look at the years of ministry that that Carol and I've had, and I can't. I can't believe we've been doing ministry for over 50 years, and you've been doing ministry since 1985, and you're a whole lot younger than I am, and, you're, and you've spent a great percent percentage of your life doing what God's called you to do, and I, I, I just applaud you for that. And we got when we got together there at Bowling Green this the other week for a, for a reunion. It was just so good to see see Craig and to see you and the joy in your face. And, and to see that you really were uh, loving what you were doing, sharing with people, and uh, loving your family, and I just just wanted to get a chance to spend more time with you. And so this this was kind of jealous of my selfish on my part. I, I wanted to get to talk with you more, and I wanted Tony to get to meet you, and others to get to meet you, and uh, just just to hear you could you get to hear your voice, the joy. Of, of ministry you're you're excited about it you're not you're not uh, down on ministry at all but there are t- I've been, been through times where I, I wondered if I should stay in ministry and you've had those kind of issues too and you've you've made the answer God's given you the answer that is yes you stay and you you may change locations but you stay in ministry and you still use your gifts and one of, one of your gifts also is music and you haven't even talked about that. And that becomes a big thing for churches. Do you do much with the music in your churches? I uh, every church I've been in, I have uh, been uh, a part of the worship team, if not leading worship. And uh, uh, it's just one time I uh, I had a worship team that was fantastic. So I was able to to just sit, and uh, that didn't last. <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, no, I just, I, I enjoy it so much. It is a part of me. And uh, so, yeah, I, I have used it throughout the years. I've uh, thankfully been blessed, um, been able to write some some music that the churches have been able to use. And that's always been uh, a double blessing. But, um, you know, Bruce, I, I do want to say, um, you know, I my approach to ministry, um, I truly believe I owe 
a great deal of that to you. Well, thank you. Um, no, I just, uh, just as I observed how you ministered uh, while we were at Bowling Green, um, it just made sense. You know, this is this is how you build a church is by building into the people, and you did that so well. And I I want to thank you for that. And is that something that you have taken into your ministry going forward? That idea of you're you're there to build into this community. You're there to build into these people. Absolutely, I think that is at the core of what has helped. Uh, with my longevity and my joy, um, there's there's nothing more enjoyable than just having those relationships and, and building into people. And that would seem pretty expected, right? That would seem pretty superficial and that that's something that, that we should all expect of anyone in ministry. But the truth is that a lot of people get into ministry, especially small church ministry, as a with a mindset of what can this do for me? Uh, how can I utilize this position to get me to where I want to be down the road? And that approach, I think of, I am here for these people and not I'm here for what can this do for me, probably plays mm-hmm. a big part in your longevity. Yeah, I, I believe that's true. And you're right. There are some some people who enter the ministry with the mentality of, you know, what can this do? How can I grow, you know, up this, go up the ladder, so forth. But unfortunately, I can remember even early in my ministry going to church conferences and uh, seeing a growing corporate mentality of uh, just that, of, you know, if you want to succeed, quote unquote, succeed, then these are the things you've got to do to to grow the church and to make the church such and such. And um, it was like the people were cogs in a machine. And that aspect uh, always turned me off. It was like, no, that the church is a family. It's a community. It is not a a corporation or a machine. And uh, I I don't know, hopefully that has changed. um, But I do know that there's still several conferences you can go to that still promote that same mentality. I would say that's the majority of them, I, I, would, I would say. I, I would say so. It, even when I used to go to preacher's meetings, there were, there were always these ladders hanging from the wall, <clears throat> uh, the pe- people going up, and, and sh- that was how they measured their success or your success. That's how they measured your church's success. <clears throat> and, mm-hmm. it, and it was not relationships, but it was... Uh, it was numbers, and yeah, that numbers can can be a byproduct of that, but the relationships are the key. So, Craig, I think that in your almost forty years of, of ministry, there have to have been times where you've felt that relationally you weren't connecting with people. Uh, that that maybe this wasn't for you. Maybe you made the wrong choice. Maybe you should go back to that job with the nice paycheck and, and being the principal of a, of a school. Uh, how, what has gotten you through those moments, those times of doubt, self-doubt, calling doubt? What, what has pushed you through? The, uh, the second church I pastored, we, uh, 
we had been experiencing uh, some some significant growth as in terms of you know every week there was an expectancy in the services. Uh, people were were responding to the call and and coming to Christ and and it was just uh, it was probably one of the most uh, fulfilling and exciting times of ministry. Uh, and yet um, something occurred uh, that uh, just basically it was almost like turning off a, a faucet. Um, the uh, the the spirit in the services was not the same, and uh, I. Uh, I guess during that time, for about two to three years, I really tried everything I could think of to to turn things around, and nothing seemed to work, and I became less connected and more frustrated. Um, and I knew, uh, for me personally, uh, that there was no more I could do. I was feeling burned out. And I, I told the church that at the end of that church year, I would be leaving. Um, that was that was one of the scariest moments of my life because even though I was teaching, I had that job because I was bivocational. Um, my heart said, what about ministry? And I didn't know if I'd ever minister again. Um, but the strange thing was uh, how God was able to to intercede the Sunday after I left we happened to visit another church that we'd been invited to because of a wedding that was going to happen after the service as I sat in that service um, just observing the service and the, the ministry that was taking place here I, I just began to cry I, I mean I bawled like a baby because I, I sensed that what they were doing there was exactly what I'd sensed God wanting to do in the previous church. And uh, I knew this is where I needed to be. Uh, that quickly, he was able to point me in the right direction. And uh, we attended there probably three or four months. And the, uh, the pastor of the church came to me and asked if I would be interested in coming on staff part-time as uh, the worship and administrative pastor. And uh, I'm so grateful <laughs> because that gave me a time of healing. Um, I just spent, uh, oh my goodness, we were, we were there from uh, 99 to 2005. And uh, it was a time of deep healing and renewal for me that uh, God just uh, helped me regain that passion and that, that satisfaction that I had before. That's great. And, uh, you know, I just, I would have to say to, to any small church pastors that are, are feeling that way, they're feeling run down or, or even to the point of burnout, um, don't sense that that means that it's done, but allow God to point you in the direction where you can be refreshed. You can be renewed. It, it may be right where you're at, or it may be in another location, but you just need to be able to have uh, the faith in him to, to follow and uh, let him, let him do what only he can do. Yeah. So Craig, you, you kind of just touched on what I was, where I was going to go next, that, 
you right now have the opportunity to speak to men and women in ministry who, right as they're listening to this show, may be driving into a, an office that they're dreading walking into. Uh, they may be driving away from a board meeting where their leaders, their bosses have just come down on them for not seeing the things that they would like for them to do. Maybe they've just left a Sunday service where they don't feel like anyone heard anything that they said. Um, what would you say to someone right now who's listening to this show that's a small church pastor, a small church leader that is struggling with do I have another week, another month, another year left in me? Uh, step one is uh, be real with yourself and be real with God. Um, by that, I mean, you know, don't feel like, uh, well, I got to put on the, the, the pastor's uh, mask, um, but just simply, you know, consider what, what you're feeling and why. And know that no matter what it is, you're not going to surprise God with it. Um, and he can take whatever you need to let out. Um, I know a lot of times we have a sense that, uh, well, he's called me to this. He doesn't want to hear my complaints. And the, and the opposite is true. I mean, look at Job. Look at, look at most of the Psalms. And you recognize that, that God allows for his children to, to come to him and and just really pour out their hearts. Um, that was something that, for me, I had to to develop and learn to do during that time. Um, I had boxed it up for so long that that it, the pressure was was killing me. And um, when I finally realized that, man, I I could just let God have it. Um, and when I say have it, I mean, literally, there were times when I would be praying and find myself to the point of screaming at God. And uh, he understood. He understands that. He, he, he won't blame you for that. He can you take it. You can tell him. Yeah, exactly. And once you're able to, to release that, that's the place to do it because then you can can take a, a clearer look at okay this is what we're facing. So God, I've shared with you where I'm at. I can't do this alone. So what would you have me to do? And just be open to really seek what that is. Um, know the difference between God's voice and uh, a supervisor's voice. Um, a boss's voice. Uh, they may tell you one thing. Uh, they may say, this is what we expect of you. And God may be saying something else. You know, as hard as this, and this is where it takes courage, as hard as it is, do what God tells you to do. Um, it may lead you down a path where you're going to have some more valleys before you get out of them. But in the long run, you will find the peace that, that you ultimately want. You're not going to find that if you do what somebody else is telling you should do, and it's contrary to what God is telling you to do. Well, and, uh, and that's and, and God's voice is clear, isn't it? And, and, oh, yeah. There, there are times I remember uh, when in, in frustration in ministry, I was 
stand in the backyard of the house, look up and look up at the sky with my fist got doubled up, and, and just like a little kid, stomp my feet and say, God, tell me what's going on or just kill me. I, you know, I'm just so frustrated. And yeah. and God and God brings things in, in to answer those. Well, we've had some great time with you right now, but we need to, to move on. And uh, thank you for for sharing with us and sharing your faith, sharing your your uh, call and how you you experienced it and the years you've been faithful. And I appreciate that so much in your ministry. So thank you so much, Craig, and and hope you listen thank into you. our podcast and. Uh, we hopefully we may call back someday and, and call you again and talk about calling. Yeah, and for those of you who are listening to the Small Church Podcast, we want to thank you for tuning in. Be sure that you subscribe to the Small Church Podcast, available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you would like more information on how you can see success and longevity in ministry, you can visit HireMinistries.com or find us on social media. We would love to have a discussion with you, talk to you more about what's happening in your church, in your ministry, and see how we can come alongside of you for long, fruitful, impactful ministry. Again, thanks for tuning in. We will see you next week on the Small Church Podcast. Have a great rest of your week.